Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the On Texas Football Tuesday Night Live stream. I'm Blake Monroe, where I'm joined every Tuesday night by both Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton of Inside Texas and On3 Sports. And guys, busy week going on, even though we're in June, which is normally kind of a quiet month. Uh, recruiting, there's basketball, I mean, just everything going on. So let's jump right into it. Jerry, I know you've posted a lot of recruiting stuff today. So uh, just go ahead and, and tell everybody what's going on in the world of recruiting when it comes to the Longhorns. Well, yeah, if you're on Inside Texas, you uh, missed a lot of breaking news today. This morning, I published a story that Solomon Williams, uh, edge prospect out of Carrollwood Day High in Tampa, uh, is officially visiting Texas June 21st through 23rd. Solomon informed me of that last night. Um, and then the Carrollwood Day head coach confirmed that this morning. North Carolina, uh, Virginia Tech, Oregon, Texas A&M. He's been on campus at a lot of places. Um, there's Solomon Williams right there. It, highly productive edge prospect. He may not have ideal height, but if you watch his tape, he is physical. He's got a motor and he has a natural bend and understanding of how to rush the passer. Had 15 and a half sacks in 10 games last year. Um, you know, so that was a big one for Texas and adding another official visitor. This one kind of a late week, not a weekend, the late week visitor. Then I published a story. Um, on Jordan Johnson, Rubel, and Corian Gibson. Uh, just a little more on those guys. Uh, Jordan Johnson, Rubel will take an official visit to TCU tomorrow and Thursday before him and his mom head to uh, Ohio State for the weekend. Then Jordan Johnson, Rubel's got Texas the 23rd through 25th. Same two visits Corian Gibson has. Gibson canceled Alabama last weekend, and Texas and Clemson fans uh, got kind of excited about that, especially Clemson fans wondered if he was going to commit. We've been saying if he didn't commit last weekend, not uh, by the start of last weekend, bad news for Clemson. And I and I maintain my RPM to Texas right now on that. Um, the interesting part that I put in the reported inside Texas today is that Jordan Johnson, Bell, and Gibson grew up in Fort Worth together. They're essentially best friends. The moms are really close. Uh, so they're taking these visits together. There's going to be a big birthday bash for Corian on his Texas official visit. Uh, his birthday is that 24th, I believe, that Saturday. Uh, so there's going to be a big birthday party for Corian at that Texas official visit. And um, I have both of my RPMs there, and, and I'm sticking to them. Uh, basketball had a couple of uh, unofficial visitors. One kid today from Round Rock, Stony Point at 24 forward. But tomorrow, uh, Bobby, it's going to be a name you may know. There's a kid named uh, Nick Cody, a 6'8 combo forward. It's trending towards a small forward. From Carrollton Newman Smith making an unofficial visit. Kansas just offered him. I have him on off offer watch for Texas. It's the son of Nakia Cody. Remember him at Cleburne, <laughs> Baylor in yeah. the NFL? Safety. Yeah. Yep. Pretty good player, right? So his son's a six eight forward. So there's your football and basketball updates today. If you're not on inside Texas, if you're not, you should take advantage of our special that runs out at midnight tonight. Hey, guys, I want to get real quick. We've got uh, Blake. I want to talk, uh, lead something in here because we've got a special guest tonight uh, coming to us live from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, Justin Wells uh, is joining us. He's actually out at Danny Okoye's practice. Uh, that's the big defensive end. He's playing wide receiver 6'4", 230. Uh, Justin is out there tonight in Tulsa. Uh, Justin, what's the latest on Danny Okoye and how does he look as a player? Guys, um, uh, the, the the secret's out. The the on three number one six edge in the country for 2024 is legit. 
This kid is a good 6'4", 6'5", 225, 230 pounds. Uh, I sent some, some video in earlier. He's running routes out here. He's got soft hands. He's got good feet. Um, he's, he's got that, that, that frame that can definitely switch from the, inter, you know, from the outside edge potentially to sliding inside. He's got a lot of versatility. Uh, talked to a couple of his coaches. He's got a lot of toughness. He loves the sport. Uh, he's out here treating the, the, the water boy like his, like his teammate. And to me, that body language, those are big, big signs. Not to mention, he is ginormous and uh, as advertised, fellas. Uh, I, just, Justin, Justin, you're too far from the uh, uh, from the action. You need to move in and take a hit for the team. Get a little closer. If you get hit, it's not the end of the world. <laughs> hey, says, Justin, says Justin, Jerry, I got to ask you, Friendswood. Hey, Justin, I've got to ask you this real quick, bud. Um, you've seen a lot of top-ranked defensive ends. Is he is he one of those elite guys in your, your mind, or is he a top 200 kids in the kid in the country? Like, where is he fit in this in this uh, uh, idea? You know, Bobby, it, it's hard to tell right now because of this is this is homeschool seven on seven. And I think the competition is is definitely a little bit lower. But from an agility standpoint, a size, strength, all those abilities, I think the guy is 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 fabulous. He reminds me of those of those kids that Mac Brown used to go into private schools in, in Dallas at St. Mark's and pull out and turn into all conference All Americans. He reminds me of of one, those those Mac Brown kids in the in the late two thousands. Um, good size, good attitude, great smile. Uh, there's no question he's the number six edge. I actually think that could be a little underrated. I just want to see more tape and film and, and see what the competition level is. Has he, ha, hey, Justin, have, has, have you got a feel for the, how big the academic piece is in his recruitment? Being a homeschool kid, uh, how big will that be for Texas? Not yet. I haven't, I haven't been able to gather that yet. He's still playing. And uh, all we've done is chat a little bit before and actually during the game. Uh, but he's, I'll, I'll get more one-on-one -on -one from him, and I'll have an update up on Inside Texas later tonight uh, You know about the latest with, with, with all these things. There's a lot of questions we have, and I got a lot to, to ask. And, and Danny has been tremendous, uh, You know, kind of helped me to make sure I was here today uh, from that long drive. And so I'm, a, I'm very grateful, but I'll, I'll have more of that info later on at InsideTexas.com. All right, thanks, Justin. I, I appreciate it, but get back to watching it, and uh, we'll, we'll look forward to the report later. 10-4. Thank you, J-Dub. All right, so there you go. Well, guys, the other, besides all the recruiting news and then, of course, what we just heard from Justin, the other big news is tomorrow the SEC schedule comes out, uh, I believe, at 6 p.m., and so a lot of speculation going on about that. Everyone's, you know, waiting to see what exactly happens. What are y'all's thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I've got a trivia question today. So what was the score the last time Texas played Texas A&M? And if, if, if we have to go past 30 seconds for this trivia question, I'm going to be surprised. I, don't, I honestly don't remember the score, but I know it was Mike Sherman's end game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was. Indeed. I mean, dude, he was, he was like in a crowd he was like down almost on his knees like in a praying position before that kick i'll never forget that because he knew how big that kick was for his for his job security a&m he was even crazy. bowed his head he yes. even bowed his head 
Yes. <laughs> that was one hell of an offensive line that guy was building when he got fired. I'll tell you what. It somebody, was. I mean, somebody walked in the four first-round draft picks and a Heisman Trophy winner, okay? <laughs> yep. Hey, who do we have? Who ended up getting this right? Matt, our producer, will you uh, uh, check this out for us and make sure we got it right? I think it's it's Canoe got it. Or Kunu. I can't see it because I'm, I don't have that screen on my thing right now. Yeah. Is that is that correct? Yes, I believe so. Yeah, Justin Tucker, who's still hitting field goals yep. for the Baltimore Ravens, just crushed the hearts of College Station <laughs> and parts of everywhere else an Aggie fan lived that day. Um, hey, by and- the way, by the way, has Tucker gone on to have the best career that you didn't think a Texas player would necessarily have? I mean, he's almost, you know, is he going? He's tiptoeing towards the Hall of Fame. Unbelievable. I didn't I Jerry, I agree with you. I, I didn't I see thought it. he would be I thought he would get on catch on because right. I did think he was good enough. Right. But I had no clue that he may be one of the top two or three kickers of all time. That yeah. that's that's literally where he's headed for right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's not already there. Hey, um, I want to say thank you to Energy Texas. I need to do that, guys. And then we've got some questions already coming in we want to get to. Uh, Energy Texas uh, is here to help Texans take their energy savings to the very next level. Uh, With our Freedom Flex plan for $4.95 a month, you can switch plans every 30 days without penalty. That's right. You can switch plans. Enjoy Texas size rewards and excellent customer service you can hang your hat on. We serve Texans without the bull. Uh, That's energytexas.com. We appreciate their ongoing sponsorship of uh, the... uh, live stream on Tuesday night. Thank you very much. All right, guys. So lots of questions already rolling in and let's just go ahead and get it started here. Uh, first one from E. Kim. He says, Jerry and Bobby, who is the most dominant defensive tackle you've seen inside and outside of Texas? One guess for me would be Casey Hampton. Casey Hampton's been my number one. Uh, my dad was coaching against him. Um, one of our sponsors played against him and has the one of the funniest stories of all time about his team's center literally in tears playing against Casey Hampton. Bobby's heard this story. It's one of the funniest stories ever. Uh, Casey Hampton essentially told this guy, I'm going to kick your ass and you're not going to want to play against me. And the guy was in tears by the end of the first quarter. (laughs) So Casey Hampton is still number one for me. Anybody that has 54 tackles for loss in a high school season is number one. Outside, I'm interested to hear Bobby's opinion on this. I mean, he will – you, you know, the height of Bobby's traveling recruiting advisor powers, there were some great defensive tackles around the country at that time. I mean, the, the guys that maybe didn't even make it, Bobby. I mean, I'm sure you saw the Warren Seth, but how about the Darnell Lockett, too? Maybe weren't as good a pros as you thought. I'm inter- interested to see where you go. Uh, the best one, and he did make it, was Albert Hainsworth. Okay, there you go. You know, he, he did everything he could not to make it. Right, uh, and still made it. That's <laughs> you know, he a great player. <laughs> he was uh, – he was uh, phenomenal uh, in high school. Uh, just uh, literally, he, he looked like he was built. And, and the uh, Haloti Nada I did not see in person. And the Damakon Sioux I did not see in person. I saw Nada at the uh, All-American game, but I didn't get to watch him that much. Uh, but Albert Hainsworth outside the state of Texas, you know, in a – in a literally high school practice. I mean, his coach says, well, he may or may not practice hard today. Right. I mean, he, and 
I, 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 so I went there and literally Albert practiced hard for five plays and the guard and center both tried to double team. And it, it was just, they, they just needed to stop. I mean, he needed to go off the field so they could actually practice. And for Texas fans, kind of uh, just a visual, he wasn't the same size, but he was the D tackle version of Leonard Davis in a way, right? Just physically, just like something you haven't seen before type of guy. He, he, he looks like, I, I try to say this, some guys, they have a, what you call a barrel chest. Yeah. He looked like he swallowed an oak barrel. <laughs> like it's just like he swallowed it and just went down. Yeah. Right, all the way to his uh, to, to his kneecaps. Yeah, it was. It was uh, it's it's that kind of build where you just like you know this is crazy, um, but uh, no, that's a great question. Uh, let's let's go to the next one. I appreciate that question, E Kim. That's fun. All right, so well, early bird gets the worm. E Kim got another one in. We'll just go straight to it. He has two in a row. Jerry over under one and a half commits added at this time next week. Um. I will say, I'll say over. I, I, I think. Well, no, kids have still have visits June twenty third. I'll go with maybe one guy commits, but I think there's so many visits on the twenty third um, coming up that uh, you know that I think kids will. Most of these kids, everything we're hearing is kids are going to commit the first second week in July. So I think it might take a little more time to play out. Maybe one kid jumps on. I don't know about more than that right now. Hey, Jerry, when we were talking this morning for the recruiting breakdown, you and Justin, I think we ran down six guys that yep. had commitment dates set for the first two weeks of July. There's more that are going to be in that first two weeks of July. I, but I might say still the over here, Jerry. Just somebody gets excited, wants it, wants it to happen soon. I mean, there's a, there's a couple guys coming in this weekend that that might happen with. I, I think at least one, possibly two. Yeah, I think that's where I'm at. I mean, I, I'm, I'm going with one, you know, we'll see what happens. Yep. All right. So we got a super chat, guys. This one from Travis R. We want to thank him. And he says, Jerry, want to answer my Chris Johnson question. So beating the system. Kidding. Who do you think besides Kansas and West Virginia in the Big 12 did a great job in the portal? Oh, that's a good question. I want to see how Texas finishes. Um has to see how they finish up because I think there's a chance if Texas adds one more piece, they're going to be right there in that conversation. Uh, Max Acemas is already exceeding expectations, guys. I I had a college coach predict he was going to be a first-team All-Big 12 performer. and Boy, the early returns are pretty strong there. Um, you know, I I, I like I kind of like – I liked what Baylor's done. They didn't get the kid from Tennessee, but I like the pieces they've had. I think – Maybe they're on the right track again. I think they maybe got away from a little bit of what made them what they were, especially when Tang left. But for me, it may not be the most highly ranked guys, but I think Baylor got some good pieces to fit together this year. Um, and obviously U of H did – if they had two guys, they've done a good job. But that's interesting. U of H is going to play four guards and one uh, big next year. They're going small, small. All right, we want to thank Travis R. there. We got another super chat, guys. This one from Mark Wingale. And he says, how does the edge big board break down, especially Jack prospects versus Buck prospects? In your opinion, does the 2-4-5 scheme attract elite edge prospects? You got an opinion on that one, Bobby? Yeah, I don't think it matters. that. I don't think the scheme matters all that much. Um, and, and as long as you can rack up sacks, I think this – 
in, in my my thought process is that they actually can rack up sacks. They just haven't had the player to do it, right? I mean, as good as Baron Sorrell may actually be ready to do that this year. He's been undersized his first. He's he was undersized last year. He was definitely undersized his first year. And then Ovi Agufu has never been a pass rusher, regardless, right? Those are the two guys that that Texas has trotted out. Guys have had double digit sacks under Pete Kwiatkowski before. It's not like that. That's the problem. Um, you know, as far as the big board edge versus or Jack versus Buck prospects, Jerry, do you have any comments there? Um, you know, I, I not not really. I mean. Not really. Obviously, Colin Simmons um, is your is your edge rush guy. Um, I think the Solomon Williams kid's interesting. That's coming in. Um, if you take do you take two edge type of guys um, that are really not? They're more of the pass rushing specialist and guys that are going to uh, hold the point of attack. Um, so I, I, that'll be set the edge. I should say. So I, I, that one will be interesting for me where they go with that. I don't really have a thought on that. Uh, but I do have. Um, Travis Newgard has a good question. I think we need to throw that one up. You put me on the spot, Jerry. Okay, thank you for whoever put that up because I couldn't find it that quick. So Travis asks, what's the most important line of scrimmage recruitment us fans need to pay more attention to? And I thought that was interesting because I think it's different. This weekend, um, obviously obviously DeAndre Robinson, the D-tackle, um, is coming in, and they have – Isaiah Funga from uh, Phoenix City Central committed to Utah was just at Bama's coming in. But this weekend, I actually think it's Brandon Baker, the off, number one ranked offensive tackle in the country out of modern day. Um, look, his brother Gary um, played at Oregon from 2015 to 2019. A, a lot of people, I think, on the West Coast think Oregon's the team to beat. What's interesting is uh, Brandon Baker chased Texas for that official visit on the 16th to 18th, not the other way around. I think he had a really good – spring game visit with his family and he wants to come back and make this official visit and uh, that doesn't mean he won't ultimately end up at Oregon but I think it's interesting that he wanted to make this Texas visit and he actually reached out uh, with the date um, and then te Texas just had to make it all work out because a majority of their linemen are coming in the 23rd through 25th but Baker will be at Georgia that weekend and he's set to decide before his senior year the question is you know that if he's still on the board late in July does he make that late last weekend in July after the dead period's over visit to Oregon or could he commit to Oregon without even taking an official and do it later that remains to be seen but I wouldn't be surprised if this doesn't come down to Oregon and Texas with Ohio State right there and I'm not counting USC out it's just it feels like they're a little bit on the peripheral right now I, I gotta say this um what position do fans need to pay attention to that they haven't well, it's line of scrimmage but yeah yeah that's exactly I think it's defensive tackle yeah, and I was going there in the following weekend when they have Dominic McKinley, the five-star, Jaden Jackson, uh, TJ Lindsay, and Alex January coming in. I think that – I think both weekends for D-line, but I think that 23rd through 25th weekend, um, I, I can't tell you how much Texas likes Jaden Jackson and what a fight they have on their hands with Ohio State and Miami for him out of Brownsburg, Indiana. He's at IMG. And then just see where that dust settles with Dominic McKinley, the five-star out of Acadiana High and Lafayette. I think that's kind of an unknown right now. Uh, but, yeah, D-tackle both weekends is huge because you got to win three of them. Hey, I, I want to say this, uh, trying to break down Jack and Edge for for uh, Mark Mark W. or Mark Wayne Gale. Um, Simmons is, is definitely a, a rush edge. Uh, Solomon Williams is definitely a rush edge. 
Deshaun Warner, Rush Edge. I think Zena and Okoye can play the other side. Yeah, uh, those those are my my thought process uh, right now. How that big board looks, I would say that that Simmons and Okoye slash Zena are those top three groupings. That doesn't mean they're not also intrigued by Deshaun Warner and Solomon Williams as well. All right, guys, we got another super chat that just came across. This one from Justin Yarbrough. And by the way, I want to thank Mark earlier. Didn't get to thank him again. Uh, but Justin asks, any update on Selman Bridges, Jerry? And which Longhorns do y'all think had the most disappointing? Uh, that's a great question. I hope none of them are listening. Uh, uh, <laughs> Selman Bridges, I, I think Texas remains in a good spot. Um, you know, look at TCU, Arkansas. They're in the mix there, obviously, with official visits. But uh, I think Texas heads into the 23rd through 25th in a good spot uh, for Selman Bridges. We'll see what happens. Um most disappointing Longhorn NFL career, Bobby. I, I'm going to let you go uh, uh, first, and I'll follow up with the uh, burial. I hate to say it, but it's Vince Young. I, for the talent level, that's a pretty good one. Yeah, I mean, he had so much potential, um, and I think that Vince's issues were uh, part him um, and his maturity, and part his coach. I don't I, I think it took two to tango and that was a that was like oil and water. And part who you surrounded yourself with. Yeah. No, yeah. I think it was oil and water. Yeah. I, I you could have went to 25 other NFL teams and ended up having a better career. Uh Jeff Fisher was uh was not the right mix for Vince. So that for me, I thought Vince could have played not unlike what Lamar Jackson does right now. Yeah, uh, what J- Jalen Hurts has done uh for the Eagles. He's every bit as talented, if not more so, than some of those guys. So Somebody brought up Kenneth Sims. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you who mine is, and it's going to sound crazy, is Ricky Williams. I think Ricky – yeah, look, Ricky Williams was suspended for, what, 25, 30 NFL games. Mm-hmm. I think if he had been solely football-focused, he would have gone down as a top three, four running back in the history of the game. I, I think his stats would have gone there. I think he was such a rare talent at the running back position. His contact balance, guys bounced off of him. He was durable, um, and he could catch the football. He was a really good pass pro guy. I think he really would have gone down as one of the greats if he had been football-focused only. I just got to say this. He rushed for 10,000 yards in his pro career. I mean, he didn't have – I know. For this, you're you're saying disappointed relatively to what right. you thought he could right. have been. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean Kenneth Sims is definitely one uh, going way back. And somebody um, said Ricky had almost two thousand. He did have a two thousand yard season. That's why I say what I do. Then he's he, but he can't, he was suspended for twenty plus games in the NFL. He missed a whole season. I mean that yeah. guy could have gone easily gone down as one of the greats of all time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Both y'all's answers are bringing up all kinds of comments in the chat. A lot of people disagreeing, but, you know, it's a a very opinion. So there you go. Good question by Justin, nonetheless. All right, guys. Next question comes from Hey John, and he says, can you give us details as to what Texas does when it evaluates a potential recruit for an offer? Good question. I'll I'll try to do this, uh, Jerry, since uh, – You've been handling most of the recruiting stuff. So Texas has a recruiting staff. Uh, Essentially, the knowledge of a player can come from any 
different direction. It can come from a high school coach reaching out to Texas. It can come from a recruit reaching out to Texas. It could come from a Texas coach or staffer that finds out about a recruit at a high school. So the initial contact, it doesn't matter where it comes from. Once that occurs, it goes into a process whereby Billy Glasscock, who's the head of uh, football operations for Texas, uh, has a staff of evaluators. They have a first look staff that includes a number of uh, young uh, students to young uh, uh, folks that uh, help evaluate players that then if they think that they make it past that first link of guys of, hey, this guy might be a guy, they elevate it to the next level. Then the position coach and the coordinator on that side of the ball look at the player. And then from there, those guys take it to Sark and Glasscock and they make a decision. That's the process. Uh, some of them are expedited. Just to be clear, I don't want to say that that's always the process. They see somebody and Jeff Banks, for example, goes and sees Reiner Swanson at a, at a practice or sees him in person. He doesn't need to necessarily go back and go through, go through all this process. But that's how it happens typically, like for 80% of the guys. Hope that hope that's helpful, K. John. There you go. Good insight, Bobby. All right, next question comes from Peyton Ross. Buy or sell? Texas will have a much tougher schedule first year in the SEC than OU. Same as this year, how OU somehow dodged three schools they lost to last year in K-State, Baylor, and Texas Tech. I I don't I don't think they'll have an easier schedule in the SEC. I mean, here's here's the reality: Texas is going to have two teams that they have to probably three, OU, A&M, and Arkansas. No, there's no guarantee Texas plays LSU. Okay. OU doesn't have that. The OU's only difference may be that they get Missouri instead of A&M, but they're likely to get A&M too. I, I, I just, I don't know. OU doesn't have, other than Texas, have a natural rival in the conference, whereas Texas does. Um, and whether or not AM is actually going to be a good team in 24, I would I would venture they will be if Connor Wegman is still the quarterback. Um, but otherwise, I, I'm not so sure. So we'll also have to see, wait and see what the portal ha- what portal happens between now and then as well. Uh, but uh, I, I definitely did not like OU's schedule last year in the Big 12. Uh, paid into your comment there. That was. That was some weak sauce, in my opinion. (laughs) Uh, This next question, guys, is more team-related, and it comes from Rodolfo Esquivel, and he says, is Jordan Whittington taking on the leader role this year? I think he's more of a leader by example than the up-in-your-face, you know, rah-rah guy, or he has been. Um, You know, so I, I, I think the leadership in a different way, maybe not the Roshan Johnson way, but in a different way. Uh, which I think actually is a good mesh because Texas needs Quinn to become that guy. They need Quinn that be in a position to take on uh, more of that vocal leadership role uh, on the offensive side. I, I my my take there is the same as yours, Jerry. Quinn is the expected leader on that side. Jake Majors, Christian Jones, I'm told, has stepped up quite a bit on the offensive line as well. So that's a name to watch. All right, next question. Uh, this time, switching gears to recruiting. 
It's from It's Kunu with Brandon Baker moving up his decision timeline to August. Does that bode well for Texas or would letting the season's body of work be a better bet to reel him in? I think it uh, bodes well for Texas chances, honestly, because Texas summer official visits are, are a strength. That's why they have 40 plus kids coming in. Um, while it is going to be 187 degrees this weekend in Austin, um, <laughs> there's not many better places to be. Uh, than Austin in the summer, just the things to do around the university, uh, you know, Lake Travis, everything that comes with those visits. There's certain schools that want to get you on game day, and there's certain schools that want to get you in the summer. Uh, and Texas is one of the schools that can get you on both. But uh, the summer is where they Texas wants these guys to come in. So that's what I roll with. Um, I mean, look, they could have pushed Colin Simmons to the season. They didn't do it. They brought him in uh, in June. Uh, Micah Hudson, the same Ryan Wingo. I mean, uh, so the Texas is pushing these guys to June for a reason. It's where they feel like they have the best success. And I think maybe they like more of that time without having to worry about playing a football game and game prep towards more time with the family. I actually talked to um, a family member, parent of a highly ranked prospect today, and they said Texas does a great job crossing T's and dotting I's on visits as good as anywhere they've been. All right. Next question going back to the team here. Uh, Michael Gresser wants to know, what are each of y'all's week one starting offensive line predictions? Mm. Oh, that's always interesting to me. <laughs> I, that's interesting. I'm going to go left. Ta- I'll do that. I'll go first because I, I actually have a pretty strong feeling here. Okay. I'll go left tackle Kelvin Banks. Left guard, Cole Hudson. Center, Jake Majors. Right guard, Cam Williams. Right tackle, Christian Jones. I will, I'll will. i say this. If that's a starting offensive line, that's a hell of a starting offensive line, talent-wise. That, that, that's if, if, if DJ Campbell, who, by the way, is still wearing a brace on his right wrist, um, if he's a backup and um, NASA is a backup, you're doing the right things on the offensive line. Uh, look, I think I think, and you talk about NASA's nickname is for Hayden Connor. I, I think it's <laughs> I think that Hayden is, is is in an interesting situation. I really believe he or Cole Hudson need to cross train exclusively at center. Agree. Um, Hudson has is is a younger prospect and does have a redshirt year left. By the way, um, I'm not sure he wants to take one to let the shoulder heal. He wants to get out. I mean, just knowing him, that family, he's all about putting putting the gear on and going and playing. Uh, so I don't see that happening, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. I Look, that's Michael. You're, the thing about this, and this is Jerry and I talk about this, it is a positive that Texas has the capacity and the people they have currently. But this is one of the things that we're looking forward to and the coaches are looking forward to as well. They don't necessarily know. If, if that makes sense, it would be a prediction from them, not a certainty at this point, too. Albert Garcia's got an interesting question. If you find that one, the one he just asked. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was actually just starring it for later. Uh, do y'all think the SEC is going to give in with AM on who gets the first home game? I know Bobby's got a thought on that one. That's why I wanted it. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I don't think Texas cares. Right. I mean, look. That that means having the 
I mean, hopefully the rivalry game goes on another 100 years. To having the first game back be at a and I mean, it means Texas doesn't I – mean, it's not going to move the needle that much on season ticket sales for Texas. It will for Texas a and when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. It will. The last time Texas played at AM, the AM coach got fired. Yeah, I, that's not a good thing. <laughs> so, I mean, it could be perfect timing for AM fans, depending on how the season goes. <laughs> I love it, Jerry. Jerry taking no quarter at all. I, I need to say, I need to say thanks to Energy Texas and thanks to Albert for that uh, uh, question. Energy Texas is here to help Texans take their energy savings by the horns with our Freedom Flex plan for $4.95 a month. You can switch plans every 30 days without penalty. That's right. You can switch plans every 30 days. Enjoy Texas-sized rewards and excellent customer service you can hang your hat on. We serve Texans without the bull. That's www.energytexas.com. All right. Well, we still got plenty of time left. Questions are rolling in, but there's still plenty of time to get your question in. So be sure to ask in the chat. And this next one comes from Joel McWaters, preaches sometimes. Y'all think that Sartre's focus on recruiting offense on the West Coast is by design. I know there is some defense, but the focus seems to be on offense. I, I think it's an offensive state. I think it's an off. Uh, I think there's a reason Lincoln Riley went out there, um, not the SEC. Um, I think that's also. A, I think it's smart, and here's why. I think there's a, the receivers are advanced out there, seven on seven training. Uh, I think offensive linemen playing schemes that maybe fit what he does in Texas. The defensive line, the jumbo athletes, you had ease for. I mean, I think Sark's pretty dang smart about what they're doing in recruiting right now. They just have to get all the guys they want. Jerry, you just said it. A lot more West Coast offense that has actually some real blocking in it Yeah, um, on the offensive line. In the state of Texas, there's some, I mean, there's the advanced spread stuff where those guys never get down in three-point stance. Yeah. Like ever. On the West Coast, they do. Yeah. Generally speaking. So uh just take that into consideration. I, I agree with you about the wide receivers as well. Um, they seem to be more ready. I think we'll see that not only not only did we see that with Xavier Worthy, I think we'll see that with DeAndre Moore yeah. this year too. Agree. All right, guys, we got some more super chats rolling in, so we're going to get jump to those. Texas Dirty Boy, who we want to thank, uh, he says, if Bama decides to go run heavy involving the quarterback, does that not fall right into Texas' hands, saying our defensive line is too deep, plus one, and a physical thumpers in the secondary? Can they win like that? 
Boy, with a little play action pass, a heavy run team is is not because I, look the right side of the the, the Alabama offensive line are two five stars. Let's be clear, and they are not small humans. They are, I mean, Tyler Booker. How big is he, Jerry? Uh, six five three forty. I mean, they're talking about a first and second round draft pick type guys. Yeah, that's that's what I'm getting at. And yeah. so you add a runner like Jalen Milrow, who is a heavy runner. He's not a, you, you know what I mean? He does not go down by arm tackle. Yeah. Um, I think that, that that could give Texas problems because, you know, look, you start getting leaned on. And Texas, I don't know how many points Texas is going to score. If Texas gets up early, it may force Alabama's hand, and that changes the whole uh, thought of the game process there. I really think Sark, you know, Sark, his first year at Texas really schemed up the first two or three drives really well. He did it last year against Alabama as well. If he does that this year, I I think that could really play into Texas's hands as they get going. I think uh, Nick will play that game to protect a very good defense. My question is, are you going to see, what are you going to see defensively? Is it going to be the same thing you always have from Bama under Nick or with a D coordinator change? I mean, look, I mean, the reality is last year, if Quinn doesn't get hurt, I'm not sure he doesn't throw for 350 in that game. Alabama was being very hard-headed, right? Um, and I just – I'm not sure that Texas wouldn't have scored 35 in that game because, the it, because look, he was – he had enough time. Um, they were in man, uh, and Sark knew what Saban was going to do. The question is, Nick's going to play to protect his defense this year, obviously, as he should, but is he going to have anything different defensively this year for Texas? Yeah, I, Nick Saban being stubborn. Who would have thought it? I know. I mean, he's it's only got him to the to the top. <laughs> you know, I, I I think the guy's a great coach. I think that he has been stuck in his ways on defense and will likely try something a little bit new. Um, too much focus for him and his defense, in my opinion, puts too much stress on the linebackers. It really yeah. does. That that's part of that's been part of the issue there. We'll see in week two. I mean, he's he's had to have superhuman linebackers. I mean, let's. I mean, really has uh, for him to have a great defense. All right. Well, thank you, Texas Dirty Boy, for the super chat. We got another one here, guys. This one from Ryan Nelson, and he says this should be the best offense offense since 2008. We've had three excellent defensive years since 09 in 2011, 14, and 17, but none on offense. What are y'all's thoughts? Quarterback. Uh, I mean, I, Sam I, Ellinger, other than Sam Ellinger, Texas has been barren at the quarterback spot. Uh, I agree, and overall and offensive line talent and speed at wideout in a lot, most cases, some cases, not every case. I mean, Devin Duvernay could roll, right? But uh, putting it all together on the field at the same time, I agree. I, I mean, look, and, and here's the thing. I think there's enough depth, too. I mean, yes, Roshan and Bijan's gone. You can't lean on that when things get tough, which is the question that has to be answered by Quinn and uh, more 11 personnel, but you have depth at receiver. You have depth at running back. You have depth uh, on the offensive line. You have depth at quarterback in terms of talent that fits Sarkeesian's scheme. It may be green, but they still fit his scheme. So I think the talent and depth is there um, to even withstand an injury or two and still have a really good offensive year. All right. Well, thank you, Ryan Nelson. 
And this next question here, guys, comes from Harrison Saunders. And he yeah. says, do you explain what an IMG Academy is? There seems to be several across the country. Is it a high school designed to help high school kids become D1 athletes? How do academics measure up? Jerry, I got to say this. Ge- Go for hey, it. Jerry, Jerry gets this one because it's his second home. <laughs> Outside the state of Texas, that's the one school you've been to more than any other probably. I've been there a lot. I mean, when I was ESPN Under Armour, we had events there. We had uh, Future 50 there. We had uh, Under Armour camp there. Ray Lewis camp was there. 52, uh, Deion Sanders camp was there. So, And then I would go, when I lived in Florida, seven, eight, nine, ten times a year. So I've been there plenty. Um, it's actually a great school for a really focused athlete. If you're not really focused, you struggle there because – it's a college setup and you have to really be able to live on a schedule there. There aren't days off. There aren't, Oh, you're, you know, 20 minutes late for the workout, Johnny, but man, you're the best player we've ever had here. It doesn't work that way. It will get you prepared for college. They do a great job from a school perspective. A lot of kids go down there so they can graduate early that don't maybe have that opportunity at the high school they go to. The interesting thing with IMG, and I look forward to the study, uh, it it needs to be about seven, eight, ten years. They're so good in the strength and conditioning. They're so good in nutrition. I'm telling you, it's like a major D1 university that I wonder how many guys are close to finished products they're creating, Bobby. They're having guys drafted, but some of those guys from those first years weren't drafted high, that were ranked really high. And those kids are coming out college ready, but are they – too close to being maximized long-term. That's a, one question I have because the setup is so good. I, bet that, that, I think that's a fair question um, because that's what happens in a lot of the best high schools in the state of Texas. That's right. Same they thing. have, other than the nutrition part, they have the best weight rooms, the indoor practice facilities, you know, everything there, extra uh, workout periods. Um, and that's always been the, the knock on a lot of Texas high school football players that come from the suburban high schools in particular. And I don't want to, I don't want to go through a list of kids here, but I did look at this with uh, one of the guys at IMG last time I was down there in May, the kids that didn't make it there and transferred back to their old school were busts in college. So it's a really good indicator. If a kid can make it at IMG, he can make it in a college program because he already knows the demand. So that's one strength for those kids going to a major university. All right. Well, there you go. There's a good insight into IMG Academy. Thank you, Jerry, for for that insight. And a quick comment, a super chat comment here from Ronnie Blunson. He said, had a crazy 24 hours for me. Had a pressure washing gun go off my left hand. Good Lord. And I want to get surgery immediately last night. Just wanted to say hook them. And I love the work y'all do. So thank you, Ronnie. Appreciate it. Well, I hope you're, well, first of all, I hope, hope you're okay, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 your writing hand. I read that wrong initially. That's why I, I laughed, and I shouldn't have laughed. Thank God. <laughs> I, I, thank you for the super chat. I will say this. I pressure washed my uh, patio and driveway uh, story. last week, and I literally ended up with a headache uh, for a day and a half because I just sat there and go like that. It drove me nuts. So I, I feel for you, Ronnie. <laughs> well thank you ronnie and get well soon <laughs> all right guys next question is from juan and jerry i know you touched on this a little bit earlier any yeah. basketball portal updates and what do you think of the basketball strength and conditioning coach hire 
Well, let's start with that. I love Corey Schlesinger. He's bringing a team with him. Um, he actually was part of the Stanford strength conditioning coach for the Stanford golf team that won a national championship. I think there's some things with him outside of even basketball that Texas University of Texas really likes. He is a really re renowned guy, a guy that Todd Wright, former Texas strength coach, who's now high up with the Clippers, uh, absolutely loves him. Um, it, I just think that was a great hire for Texas basketball and maybe Texas athletics in a lot of ways. Um, he's a really innovative guy, a guy that was successful in college and then the NBA with the Suns, and uh, it was a real coup to get him. Basketball portal updates, <clears throat> same as it has been. It's going to be a grad transfer guard. Um, I think they're going to add two more pieces probably. Um, grad transfer guard would be, you know, ideally it's a 6'3", 6'4", guy that can play off the ball and shoot the ball. If they can get that guy that has enough experience to go with what they have, I think they're going to be a better team offensively than they were last year. And that's saying something because that was the best offensive team score in the basketball that Texas has had since TJ Ford. I mean, it's averaged more points, but just offensively, um, um, in my opinion. I mean, Kevin Durant, DJ, those guys were too young. They were awfully talented, right? KD's one of the best ever, but they were so inexperienced on that team. So as an offensive team, I think this team could be really good if they get that final experience piece. I think they'll add two more guys when it's all said and done uh, before August. All right, there you go. All right, back to football. Rob Enfield wants to know if Texas goes undefeated, do they enter the SEC on equal footing with Bama and Georgia? I still say no. No. Um, Bama and Georgia have had higher-ranked classes. These, these, these programs have had a decade of recruiting top five classes. I mean, the worst class Nick Saban's had, I think, was ranked six since 08. That's insane. I, and, but and, and, and Kirby went into a program with 40 NFL players. They were ready to win, and he's recruited top five classes since then and a couple of ones. I, I want to say this, um, and I don't, I don't say no and just dismiss it out of hand. Right. Um, when I'm saying no here, what I'm really meaning is this. I still think Texas is that one and a half deep with depth as, a fo as opposed to Alabama – Yes, they, they have quarterback issues and all. Everybody is a little light somewhere. It's college football, right? Nobody is perfect. Texas doesn't have the defensive linemen at this point that, that match those guys. I don't think they have. They may have the linebackers. They're just young. So, again, Alabama and Georgia are probably going to put out juniors and seniors next year as opposed to Texas. That will probably start either a redshirt freshman and a sophomore or two sophomores. So, you know, we'll have to see. Uh, about Ashton Holman called me out. I just want to – and I, I, I love it, Ashton. I want to uh, tell you, though, what I meant by that is they're in – these programs reload. I mean, they're in reload mode. Texas is still in building mode. You got to get through the building mode to get the reload mode. There you go. <laughs> All right, so we got another super chat, guys. Uh, this one from Hornsfan224. And he says, I'm predicting a win against Bama this year. Should have won last year. Have I had too much Kool-Aid? Only if it's McKinstry next Saturday. Or in, in, in about 12 Saturdays. Only if he's McKinstry's the cornerback for, for, um, for uh, Alabama, for those unaware. His, his real name, given name, is Kool-Aid, I believe. Right, Jerry? No, it's – it's, um, God, we had him in the Under Armour game. Um, I can't remember. He changed it to Kool-Aid. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I think it's Quincy McKinstry. 
Okay, got it. Well, long story short is I am not predicting a win at this point. That doesn't mean I won't change my mind by the time it comes around. We actually gave our answers. And if you're interested uh, in all of our game-by-game predictions for this season, the Inside Texas folks, make sure you check out InsideTexas.com because we all filled out a Google form for Joe Cook, our managing editor this past week, uh, and gave all of our uh, updates on every prediction of every game. Uh, So please give that a look. Uh, By the way, this is a good time to mention that. Our our producer, Matt, put this up. Three months for $1 or one year for just $49.99 at InsideTexas.com. That sale ends tonight. So midnight tonight, this will be the last time uh, you get that offer uh, from Inside Texas. Uh, I I can't keep up with working man, but he's he's cracking me up. I can't keep up with everything he's saying. But working man, you're doing a good job. I'm laughing. That's Jeff Quincy McKintry. Thank you, Ryan Nelson. Yeah. All right, guys. One more super chat here. This one from Trevor Collins and not Texas related, but Texas A&M related. Why would Jimbo have hired the CSU O-line coach? Bobby? Oh, well, the the CSU O-line coach used to be the head coach that gotten a lot of hot water. Um, He is known as um, a guy that is old school. Would that be a good way to put it, Jerry? Old school, East Coast, kind of gruff, rough kind of guy. And he is a thought to be a good O-line coach. How he gets his O-line to be good is kind of different than what most people do nowadays. Um, He was the O-line coach for Urban Meyer at Florida uh, and uh, oversaw uh, a number of guys. Texas tried to hire Steve Adazio. The guy's name is Steve Adazio. Texas tried to hire Steve Adazio at one point under Mac Brown, uh, and he ended up taking the head job at Temple uh, during that process. So he is a, an accomplished coach, uh, but I don't know that Adazio fits with everybody, and he gets he gets a, a rap for that, right or wrong. I think uh, one of the things that – it's a good time to give Kyle Flood some kudos. I think one of the things that – why Flood connects so well is I think he knows how to tough love, but he's genuine, and kids really do respond to that. And, and I think being genuine is so important nowadays with kids. Um, I mean, there's one recruitment kid coming in next week, and I've talked about it on Inside Texas, him and his mom – that relationship with the offensive line coach takes precedent over winning games, a meeting in Steve Sarkeesian's offense, how many touchdowns Quinn Ewers or Arch Manning can throw for. It's everything to them. And that communication, and having that mom feel comfortable with her, her son playing for the coach he feels comfortable with has never been more important in recruiting to me, no matter what position it is. Because with social media and especially YouTube, you better be genuine because anybody can go find your former comments. That's absolute Twitter. Yes. Same thing. <laughs> uh, hey guys, good good words of wisdom there, Jerry, for sure. Uh, East I know it well. <laughs> East Eighth wants to know best offensive line since 2006, 1998. Um, yes. Yeah. Yep. I, I don't think there's any question. I mean, they 
And, and I, I guess the one that had Perkins and Hopkins on it, it was pretty good, Jerry. It wasn't bad. It just wasn't yeah. great. Um, I think this team is a little bit different in that I think that they'll be the best mix of run offense, pass, uh, pass protection, and run blocking. Uh, they like there's not a guard where I just go, uh oh, he's definitely overmatched when it comes to pass protection. Right. Cedric Flowers, for example, was a really good run blocker and just couldn't pass protect. Yeah, it was always a um, nice You know what I mean? Didn't have the arm length. And so I think this Texas offensive line is the best since I would say 06, maybe 05, uh, because Jonathan Scott was starting in 05, and he's he played, what, seven, eight years as a starter in the NFL? And, and Blaylock yeah. was right tackle and yeah. swing I mean, line center. Yeah, that was yeah, – I, I think – you know, I think maybe 05 was better than 06, uh, but that's just me. And somebody brought up a good point. I think the n- next year's offensive line is going to be even better. I think that, that – I, I think the 2020 – what is it? What will be 2024 offensive line is going to be even better. Yeah, I agree. All right, guys, next question comes from Courtney Hall. And if healthy, is Catalan a better player than Jalen Ford? Obviously, two different positions, but y'all's thoughts? That's a great question. Um, I believe Catalan's the only player on defense that's been an All-American. Good point. I mean, he was a freshman at Arkansas, but he was tremendous. I remember SCC head coaches commenting on him in press conferences. I, I will say this. I think they're on the same level instinctively. I, I think they're better athletes than both of those guys, but there aren't many guys that are better football players than they are at their positions. I think I think I would agree with you for Ford in pass coverage, not yeah. necessarily in run defense. Um, look, there are very few things as valuable as a safety that can jump routes and seize it ahead of time. I mean. Earl Thomas was just, in my opinion, I mean, Kenny Vaccaro, 10-year pro, whatever he was, Michael Griffin, those guys, long-term NFL guys. Earl Thomas was more valuable. Yes. Because not because that doesn't mean those other guys weren't great players. Don't get me wrong. Earl Thomas was more valuable because he could create turnovers more quickly. Um, So I, if, Jalen Catalan is that, and I'm not saying that he would be more valuable than Michael Griffin because I don't think he's nearly as physical, right? Or he tries to be, but he's just not as big. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I'll say this: just I, and I think he's been hurt so much that people haven't looked back and remembered his 2020 season, which was his redshirt freshman year. Redshirt freshman year at the height, SEC was really good that year. 99 tackles. Three interceptions, four pass defense, two forced fumbles, one return for a touchdown, number of other things. He had a hellacious first year before the, the shoulder injuries kicked in. Uh, if Texas can get a he- 10 healthy games out of him, watch out. Okay, so every week we have questions on Colin Simmons this week. Obviously no different. Uh, Ryan wants to know, why is Simmons so high on LSU? Georgia and Bama make sense, but the LSU coaching staff that won in 19 isn't even there anymore. So I'll, I'll give a couple things on that. I think, one, Colin just really likes the LSU program. I mean, 
people have to remember he watched the LSU win national championship. Um, LSU has won three national championships, I believe, since Texas won their last one. Um, so, or at least two. Um, so, I mean, that's part of it. But look, Harold Perkins went in there and had a great freshman year, right? I mean, that's what mm-hmm. Texas is is getting a lot of run from Kelvin Banks freshman year with guys like Brandon Baker and some of those players. That matters. Um, and look, Brian Kelly beat Alabama and went to the SEC title game in year one. I mean, that's that's a pretty good message to send to a kid who already likes you. Um, I still think even though he's on an official visit to SMU, which we haven't covered, but I'm sure he's got a great view from Jordan Hudson's high rise tonight. Um, he's not going to SMU. I'll be shocked. I think he's going to play in the SEC. I think it comes down to LSU and Texas. I think either one can win that recruitment. If you're a Texas fan right now, you're, the thing you don't like is it looks like LSU gets the last official visit uh, November 11th for the Florida game. All right, guys, this next one is actually a two-part comment question. Uh, so I already put the first part up, Is and this is from Drew Smalley. And he says, it's evident as a fan that Sark is a much better interview, is more accommodating, more articulate, and personable with media than both Herman and Strong. Let me 100%. Part up. Is that lost on you as media members, or is it a point of discussion? What do you appreciate about Sark? I'm curious to hear. I think he is a great interview. Um, I think his press conferences are awesome because I think it's very easy for Texas fans, college football fans, to understand what he's saying. I think he presents everything in a great way, um, and I think he's real. I think he's genuine, and and I think that's why uh, part of the reason that Texas had success in recruiting that no guys went into no unexpected guys went into the portal after the spring. Um, I think there's a genuineness there. Um, I think you get in a fair shake. I think you know where you sit at Texas if you're a football player, and I think that matters a lot. Um, I think the worst thing that can happen is you go in and talk to a coach, you leave the office, say, this guy's full of it. That's the worst thing that can happen. Bobby? Um, it is not lost on media members. They don't feel talked down to is perhaps the best way to put it. They don't feel uh, massaged. Uh, or, you know, deny a question if, you know, Mac Brown used to kind of not answer the question. Steve Sarkisian will say, I don't want to answer that question. I'm not going to because I think it might help our opponents. I mean, as a media member, that's a better question or a better response than sometimes what Mac would do, which is politely kind of give his own answer to a question and not really give any answer, Right. Herman uh, sometimes wouldn't answer, but sometimes would be snarky in response, right? That was just his persona. Uh, yes, media members talk about it. We do, Jerry. I mean, yeah. we, we talk about it off air. Hey, uh, look, look and, and I'll say this too, with what he has been through, you have to be genuine and transparent. You've been you've been through it, um, and, and that has helped his growth. I agree. Good point. Uh, we got some more super chats coming in, guys. This first one from Football Junkie. I want to thank him. And he says, how does Ford compare to returning top linebackers across the country this year? Good question. He's not even in the first or second team in Athlon's preseason All-American. I, I will say there's a couple that I like better than Jalen Ford. And I like, don't get me wrong, I really like Jalen Ford. Jeremiah Trotter at Clemson, likely yeah. a first-round pick. Right, Jerry? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I uh, and then from a rush perspective, you have Harold Perkins, no doubt. Um, but only as a rush perspective, I don't necessarily think the inside linebacker spot that Ford plays is Perkins better at. Uh, you have Eichenberg at Ohio State. He got a lot of tackles last year. Then you have the uh, guy at Georgia. Uh, Jamin, Georgia yeah, Georgia Johnson. They love him now. Yeah, I mean, They love him. Against the run, he is a stud, 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 from what I gather from a couple of people over there. Yeah. I Otherwise, I'm good. I, I think that he compares. I think he's in, like, you take two or three guys, maybe, are more athletic than Jalen, perhaps, right? Um, but you take any a group of the next five, and Jalen is probably in that. He's a third, second, third, fourth round pick. Yep. I know you're talking about Athlon. I know I picked up a copy of Wendy's today because it was the only football magazine they had on the stands, and they had him in the top five, but he was more closer to five than he was the one for sure. Hey, by the way, bring up what David Williams is saying about Charlie Strong because I do want to say something on that. Because, um, I agree with him 100%, by the way. And I don't want to make what we're saying about Sark to be kind of down on the other guys. Charlie Strong was an unbelievable guy with recruits and parents. About as good as you will ever see. It just the organization wasn't there after that. But from that standpoint, he was elite. That's why people have continued to want him uh, to recruit players for them like Mario Cristobal did last year. I mean, Charlie Strong once pulled six players out of the Lakeland High School team that was ranked number one in the country. They all won two rings at Florida. That guy is an unbelievable recruiter with kids and parents and high school coaches. So I just wanted to give him his kudos. It didn't work out at all at Texas, but he did have one strength that was a, a, for a tough for others to deal with. I think two of those six were were first round draft picks. Yes. Five of the six played in the NFL. Yes, they were bad players. It wasn't like oh, we just went we went down to Katy and picked picked yeah. off six guys from their state championship team. No, this this was a little bit different. They were all highly competitive recruitments. Yeah. He, he's a he's tremendous in my opinion, one on one. Yeah, uh, on the phone and relationships. Uh, the issue with him, it wasn't even organization from an evaluation standpoint jerry it was everything around him yeah. organizationally yeah, exactly uh, from a football perspective in the the you know having issues on the defense and he's a defensive coach combined with a rotating guesswork of what he's going to do on offense yeah. and, and uh, no real plan there in, in my opinion uh, we got another super chat this one from texas dirty boy yet again uh, so thank you again, Texas Dirty Boy. Can Texas maintain a high level of play with Sark calling the plays, or should he turn the play calling over? Jerry, are you and I of the same mind here? I wouldn't want anybody else calling plays than him. No, nah, I mean, if he, if that can't get it done at Texas, then I don't know what to say. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, you're getting the talent where you want it. Um, you have experience at quarterback. You have a number – you're better at wide out. You got a potential – all-American, maybe second team at tight end because Brock Bowers may have that any award already sewn up unless uh, Coach Bobo doesn't get him the ball this year. Um, offensive line's a year older. I mean, he's getting to the point where he's got experienced players around him at key positions. Um, so if if Sark ever had the term play calling over, I think you got a bad problem. Uh, hey, I need to say thanks one last time to Energy Texas, guys. And then we got time for one more question. Um, Energy Texas – here to help Texans take their energy savings to the very next level. Uh, with our Freedom Flex plan for $4.95 a month, you can switch plans every 30 days 
without penalty. Switch every 30 days if you need to. Uh, enjoy Texas size rewards and excellent customer service you can hang your hat on. We serve Texans without the bull. That's www.energytexas.com. Uh, you're putting me on the spot now, Bobby. I'm trying to find a good question for the both of you. There's a ton of them that I'm going through here. By the uh, way, thank you. I'm going through the comments and stuff. This is one of the best uh, chats we've ever had, guys. Y'all are awesome. I yeah, agree. I mean, so many good questions. I know we didn't get to all of them. I mean, there's like so, so many that we. Bobby and I'll be back Friday for our beating. So y'all just come with, come back with it again. <laughs> all right. So let's see here. I'm trying to find one that goes to both of y'all. Uh, all right. Here we go. This one from Micah and Nard. If viewers can get full command of Sark's offense this season, could this team rival the Vince and Colt teams? Colt team. Yes. Vince team, no, because he's still the best college football player I've ever seen. The hardest football player to stop. Him and Cam Newton, the, the two guys I've seen that I just don't think you see very often at all at the quarterback position. Um, and I think Vince would be even scarier today um, for a defensive coordinator. I mean, they might they might not even show up. They might have ankle injuries. Um, that's how good he was. The, oh, the Colt teams, Bobby, I say yes because – I think I, I think they could be in different ways. I think there's more wide receiver pure talent. Um, but I think the offensive line's gonna be better. Um, so I, I can see it. Colt's junior year was so good. Yep. So um good. you know, it's so unfortunate they didn't make the national championship game and OU did, um, in my opinion, to this day. So I, I I don't know that Sark, I don't know that yours is ever going to be that machine-like. And, right. and I say that in a uh, complimentary way of Colt, right? I mean, he was like money. Um, on Outside quick throws, he was 95% accurate. Yeah. Like if, you know, and if the guy dropped it, it was because it hit him in the numbers instead of the hands, right? <laughs> it, it, um, and I don't know that Quinn will ever be that consistent. It's just not him. Right. Uh, it doesn't mean he can't improve. Um, so full command isn't necessarily the same to me as, as full um, execution. Uh, I, I guess the long and short of it is I think that they can be as good as the senior-led Colt team, if not but maybe a, a tad below what they were in 08. Um, and the 09 team played for the national championship. Um, they weren't as good as the 08 team, in my opinion. So at least not on offense. Right. Um, somebody asked how we're looking for a Koye. Um, Justin Wells is up there right now. Look, well, I, I'm interested to see what Justin's report says after he talks to Koye. But um, look, Texas getting a visit. He's a homeschooled kid. I'm, I'm really interested, interested to see what Okoye tells Justin about the academic piece at Texas. I, I just, I really think this is a key in this recruitment because this kid's gone from public school to being a homeschooled kid. So I think the academic piece, what he's going to say about Texas is going to be impactful in when his family makes the visit this week. And I think it gives Texas more than a puncher's chance. Let's see. 
All right. Well, lots of information to digest over this past little over an hour. And uh, again, so many good questions. Sorry we didn't get to them all. But that's going to do it for this edition of On Texas Football. We want to thank Energy Texas, of course. Um, and then all the Super Chats, tons of them to this time. Travis R., Mark Wangale, Justin Yarbrough, Ryan Nelson, Texas Dirty Boy, Ronnie Blunson. Get well soon, by the way. Horns Fan 224, Trevor Collins, and Football Junkie. And then don't forget to take advantage of that special Inside Texas. Go to InsideTexas.com. Three months for $1 or one year for $49.99 at InsideTexas.com. And that expires at midnight. So you got a little less than four hours to take advantage of that. For Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you same time, same place next week.